I want to talk about wrong view tonight. I need to talk about right view, but I want to talk about wrong view. And uh, when Ayavimala was here, the the monastic from um, Belgium, we were when I was driving him out to um, the desert to Mahapajapati, we were talking about we were just chatting, and they mentioned the sutta, uh, the Vipalasa Sutta. With, and Bhikkhu Bodhi gave a teaching about it where he talked about how this was an absolute description of wrong view. And I, I knew I'd heard about it, and I talked about this a couple of years ago, and I thought it would be really helpful to revisit it um, because it's so important. It's really uh, wrong view is the foundation of so much harm in the world today, driven by so much greed and hatred and anger and delusion. So that to understand some of how that wrong view arises can be really helpful because it's a way to, and when we understand what it is, it's, it's a little easier to disentangle ourselves from it. It's a short sutta, sutta where the Buddha talks about the distortions of perception. It's oftentimes translated as perversions of perception, but Bhikkhu Bodhi, Bhikkhu Bodhi says, inversions of perception. Um, Andrew Alensky, who also translated it, talks about, talk, calls it distortions, and I like the word distortions. Uh, it's also, can, you can say, fabrications or hallucinations. So. so these distortions are of perception, mind, and view. And the distortions that, the, that are mentioned in the sutta are seeing impermanent as permanent, seeing suffering as pleasurable, assuming a self where there is none, and sensing the unlovely as the lovely. So it's basically a total misunderstanding of the three characteristics, uh, anicca, impermanence, anatta no, uh, anatta, no self, dukkha, that there is suffering. Um, and uh, and then he the Buddha also talks about non distortions of course where you recognize that impermanent is impermanent and and that there is no self and as I said it's really important because these distortions are so prevalent today uh, and in our thoughts in our worldview and it's like I said really important to understand them it's a it's a sutta about ignorance and not seeing the world clearly, and wrong view, just, just, and wrong view is deluded, is, is ignorance. Um, we, so we all have our own perspectives on things, and they shape how we move through the world, and a lot of times we're trapped by false interpretations of what we see, and experience through the senses, and I know you all are familiar with this, you've all experience this um, to some degree or another. We see things, you know, through our senses. We smell, we see, we hear, we taste, and there's an immediate interpretation. You know, um, the color of a person's skin or the shadow of a snake. That's the story that Andrew Olensky tells. You know, we see a shadow in the corner and it, our mind thinks it's a snake. I don't go there a lot because I don't have a lot of snakes in my world. Um, but it could be 
you know, if I see a shadow of a sock, I could think it's a, a mouse or something. Um, and then be like, eh, and then there's the reactivity that comes from that. And then I turn on the light and it's a sock. Um, those types of things. Um, or we hear somebody who has an accent, so there's a sound, and we make assumptions, and we talk louder and more slowly because we think they can't understand. And not that we think about it, but it's sometimes, if you've ever caught yourself doing that, and I know every once in a while I catch myself doing that, it's like I talk more slowly because there's this reactivity that says this person X, Y, or Z. Or we smell something that reminds us of a particular experience. A smell is so powerful. It can take us, you know, decades away from where we are. I often have these smells and I'm like, oh, that reminds me of New York or that reminds me of, you know, that time when or whatever. So, and sometimes we have, we, we recognize or we, have, we smell something and again, there's an assumption. There's a lot of assumptions that are tied in with these misperceptions, these, these distortions of the mind. Um, and there's these ideas about others, racism and misogyny and xenophobia and arachnophobia, these poor spiders that we have to kill. So it's, it's not that we, are, that we are flawed, it's not that we're bad, but the mind is not seeing things clearly because of all these causes and conditions. And I've talked over the last few weeks of causes and conditions and, and being aware of it. And again, this is another lens through which to identify how causes and conditions impact our daily lives. So I just want to go over these three um, that the Buddha talks about because they kind of build on each other and one leads to the next leads to the next as with so many teachings it's this logical progression and the first is this distortion of perception as I was just talking about Mis we mistake the things that come through the senses and the classic story is the story of the five blind men uh, and the elephant where they're each um, led to a different part of the elephant and one feels the trunk and one feels the ears and one feels the leg and one feels the tail and one feels the, the body and they all have a different idea of what an elephant looks like. Because they can't see, they don't know, they have this very limited perspective and that becomes reality for them, you know? And so we do that all the time with things we see, as I was saying, a shadow that we misperceive as something else, or a sound that we misperceive, you know? Um, a tree branch knocking against the window becomes rats trying to chew their way in. I've had that experience. The rats are back, and it's like, no, it's windy, and it's the tree leaves against the window. So, but when we, we have that perception, that misperception, that wrong perception, it can lead to a whole bunch of different things, a whole bunch of different stories. But if we, we take the time to stop and investigate in that moment, oftentimes there's a clarity that arises. We go, oh, it's, 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 the, brand, it's the leaves against the window. It's this, not that. And so be paying attention to those assumptions of the mind is really helpful. Um, the next one is the distortion of thought. 
And this is such a painful place. It's when we get caught in rumination or create elaborate stories, that proliferation of thought, papancha. Um, you know, if we, we're, somebody doesn't invite us in for a job interview or we, we get laid off from a job, I'll never work again. Or, I, you know, this is this, 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 this from perception to thought is like the, um, I had, God, 30-something years ago, I was looking for a job, and I got a phone call, and this, the voice said these words, we're interviewing people internally, and we'll get back to you in the next week. That was what the voice heard, the sound of the words, and hitting my eardrums. That then became the story of they already made up their mind. They just don't want to tell me I'm not getting that job. I'm probably never going to get another job. I shouldn't have quit that job. Blah, blah, blah. It's the distortion of thought. You know? and, and, and oftentimes these do grow from that first distortion, the first seed that's planted that we didn't stop to clarify. Luckily, I had a husband who just put his hands in his, his head in his hands and went, <laughs> and I'm like, oh, is there something wrong with my thinking? Totally distorted because of where we come into the next piece is this distortion of view. The distortion of view of a lot of these assumptions that kind of solidified these patterns of thinking of I'm never going to happen or this is never going to happen becomes instead of I'm afraid I'm not going to have a relationship or I'm afraid this is going to turn out this way turns into I am this particular person you are there's this solidification this rigidity these patterns of thinking turn into views this is this is you know conspiracy theories turn into fact when you let them run amok prejudices and so on you know, one thing builds into this bigger and bigger story until you're so far away from reality. I had um, a, a friend years and years ago, I took her to a yoga class. She wanted to do yoga, and I took her. And there was one posture the, te the teacher was asking us to move into, and she's yelling, I can't do this, I can't do this. And it's like, but you actually are doing it. If you pause to look at the experience you were having or where your body was and what your body was doing, you would recognize that you were actually doing what your mind is saying, I can't do. It's extraordinary, the delusion that takes root, that just denies reality, denies the reality of the moment by saying this is not true. Or this is true. Andrew Alinsky kind of talks about these three um, levels, and he says, these three levels of distortion are cyclical. Our perceptions are formed in the context of our views, which are strengthened by our thoughts, and all three work together to build the cognitive systems which make up our unique personality. So we've got all these causes and conditions. We've got all these ideas, all these views of the world, these ways in which we, we navigate. And often we don't question them. Often we don't. And we have our own bubbles. We each have our own bubbles. 
and ideas we've grown up with, these habits of mind. Larry Ward, in his book, America's Racial Karma, which is a great book, he wrote this one line, or he had this one paragraph. And he said, Most of us know that changing habits is challenging. How much of what we do is habitual? Studies by neurobiologists and psychologists researching habit formation indicate that 40 to 90% of human behavior, how we think, how we respond with emotions, what we say, and how we act falls into the habit category. So when it comes to deeply rooted thoughts and behaviors, however good we think our intentions may be, without insight about the need to change, the strong resolve to make it happen, and the corresponding action, a good 50% of the time we will default to habit. There's, a, there's an intentionality that it's not just setting an intention but following it up with habit and following it up with effort. So there's some more, you know, the Eightfold Path in there. Um, you know, and when the mind is distorted, we've lost our connection to the senses. We're disconnected. We're, we're just in our head. We're in our assumptions. And we're operating slowly, I mean, excuse me, solely from reactivity. And um, I love this one quote from the book Deep Diversity, which I use a lot. Emotions exist at an overt and a covert level. When we get angry, happy, sad, the emotion has to break through our personal threshold before we become aware of it. They're unconscious before the threshold is reached. And without full awareness, these emotions, this reactivity, these assumptions influence our behavior, thoughts, and choices. It's this implicit bias that runs our life. Implicit biases, it's not just one until we make the choice to stop it and investigate it. You know, I think about family dynamics in, in this regard, and there's so many perceptions and work dynamics, and he said, she said, they said, all this stuff that, that colors and how we, how we see the world um, and things we believe, things we don't believe. Uh, it's, it's, it's huge. It's, a lot of times it's harmless, a lot of times it doesn't cause any difficulty, but many times it is quite harmful. And it does cause a lot of suffering. We can cause harm to others. We can cause harm to ourselves. This, these misperceptions that we create about ourselves can be so painful. I mean, I can, sometimes I sit and I think about these perceptions I used to have about myself and how they drove my actions and how I ended up in places I never wanted to be, not being perceived the way I thought my actions would have people perceive me, and instead thinking I was something else, and it's like, oh my God. I don't remember, so what a web we tend to weave when first we practice to deceive, you know? Um, not that I'm intentionally lying, but I'm in trying to create a world in which I will be seen a particular way and it going sideways and just being miserable. So there's our personal 
view and how that impacts how we move through the world and the harm and suffering that we cause. And then there's the societal conditioning, which I think is so, so important. And I want to talk about this right now, especially in light of the escalation of the hate and the hate crimes that are happening in this country. I mean, just this week we had these three people killed in Jacksonville, Florida, because of a guy who said, I hate black people. That was his only reasoning, as far as we know. That was the only rationale. You know, it's like he had a perception of black people and that he, it was okay to kill them. That is, that's kind of baked into our country. It's baked into the perception of, of the, the United States, and it's taking a lot to chip that away. You know, as Larry Ward said, it takes effort, it takes willingness, but at f first it takes looking at it and understanding what's going on. So there's all this anti-gay, anti-trans, anti-woke, anti-climate change, so many ideologies are on the loose. And folks didn't come up with these things on their own. We don't have millions of people sitting in their homes going, oh, I think. It's like, it's the society, it's the water we all swim in. When Donald Trump first ran for president, he said some horrific things about Mexicans and other immigrants. Whether he believes it or not, he said it, and then all these other people picked it up. It's a distortion of the mind. It's a story that is not based in reality, and people believe it without questioning. You see it every day. You see it in your own life. And you see it in the world around you. And Ruth King talks about this. I talked about Ruth last week in her Not Perfect, Not Permanent, Not Personal. Um, and she talks about this in her book, Mindful of Race. And she talks about it in, in the lens of race, but you can talk about it with the lens of all these, these ideas, these rigid notions that we have. And I'm just going to read a little bit about what she says um, we have rationally conditioned perceptions that operate based on past experiences stored in the mind. These include memories, views, beliefs, and fears, all of which stimulate the mind to act or behave in ways that make sense to us. Once we perceive race, the mind immediately scans the memory bank of past experiences to interpret what is being perceived. We then add layers of meaning and the experience shifts from bare perceiving into something more textured and nuanced. When layered, perceptions become distorted, sticky, and weighty. I mean, it's something as simple as if you're walking down the street and you see a group of, of black men or black teenagers, the thought very often arises, going to cross the street. Because there's this deep, 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 deep-seated perception of, of danger, of fear, of bias, that comes up, not because we intentionally think it, but it's because, again, it's this con deep conditioning. You know? Essentially, we think we know something, and then we're off and running, all based on these past experiences, preferences, and beliefs. And all usually it's not always, but usually it's in our minds, or at a minimum, worthy of questioning worthy of pausing, and we feel more reassured when our views are mirrored. 
And so that is what fuels these bubbles, these groups of people who have the same ideas. We feel more reassured when our views are mirrored back to us. Even if we don't like our views, we feel more, it's, it's a sense of connection, you know, and we're on our guard when our views are challenged. Views that don't align with our own go unnoticed. We stop being mindful when we think we know, and that's when harm can happen. You know, perception determines the characteristics of what it perceives. Whether a race is threatening or whether it's race is worth paying attention to. It determines whether we like someone or something or whether we shoot someone. We place judgment on what we perceive and they have these layers of, me of meaning. Understanding the cycle of misperception supports us in distinguishing habits of harm. How perception, thoughts, and emotions reinforce this view is an important mechanism to recognize and a useful way to begin questioning our perceptions. Mindfulness can help us. We have to be willing to stop and not just believe it. We have to be willing to not say, I know this, this is true. We have to question. We have to question everything. The Buddha said, see for yourself if this is true. Don't believe it just because that person said it. Does this cause harm and suffering to you or to others? Does this diminish who you are? Does this diminish who the other person is? You know? Understanding these teachings. I think one of the biggest things right now is there's this binary we either are or we're not. We're either racist or we're not racist. Instead of understanding that it's this broad range. I came up with a lot of racist ideas in my mind. Not because I overtly am racist, but it's this deep-seated bias, this implicit bias. And we have to be willing to see this conditioning. None of us can grow up in this country without being racist. Again, it's not that we're bad people. It's that we have this conditioning and we have to get rid of this idea of this binary. Either or, it's just like, no. It's this systemic stuff that's hugely important that we really have to be willing to work toward deconstructing. Our own biases and the societal biases because look at the harm that's being caused. How can we not want to work towards ending this, this harm, you know? Eightfold path, three characteristics. Wise view, understanding, kindness, compassion. That willingness, as, as Larry Ward says, that willingness to... without insight about the need to change, understanding this misperception, understanding these distortions of the mind, without insight, that's insights, understanding these perversions. And I would call them perversions in this regard. Without insight about the need to change, the strong resolve to make it happen, and the corresponding action, we're going to re, 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 
act. We're going to fall back onto these habits of mind 50% of the time. And in this day and age, it's paramount that we do the work. It's absolutely necessary that we do the work. Because if we don't, it, the, it's just going to continue. Nothing changes if nothing changes. Really simple. Not easy, but nothing changes if nothing changes. So I invite you to find those um, distortions of the mind in your life. Find those habits that cause harm. Find those beliefs that you can ask yourself, now, is this true? Because so often we believe things that are so far from what we, be we actually believe. We think we believe things, but when then we... I like vanilla ice cream. And it's like, actually, I don't like vanilla ice cream. Why do I keep eating vanilla ice cream? I don't like it. But we keep doing it. So can you make the effort to see these places that you're stuck, that you're entangled in these, these habits of mind, and be willing to work towards disengaging, disentangling? And again, it's not because we're bad people. It's not because we're flawed. It's because these things are so subtle. And unless we question, we're going to keep, keep, it, keep it up, and it's going to continue and continue and continue, and the suffering is going to continue, and the harm is going to continue. So I invite you to be, uh, be the change you want to see in the world. So thank you, my friends, for your, for your kind, kind, kind attention, and I know we're all going to work together to... Um, disentangle these distortions of the mind. So, much love. Any thoughts on this? There's a lot there, and it's, and it's, I, it's not often stuff that gets talked about in Dharma rooms, but I think it's really important because we're not just outside the world. We're part of the world. We can't the Dharma isn't over here and the world is over there. It's all part and parcel, as Bhikkhu Bodhi says. We have to get off the cushion. Um, and it's not just about our own personal awakening. It's about uh, working towards the awakening of all beings. So thanks for your patience with this. Thank you for visiting Undefended Dharma. These teachings are freely offered. However, if you would like to make a donation to help support the technology that makes these podcasts possible, please visit marystancavage.org backslash support. Thank you.